across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Everything you need to know, want to know about Eagles camp. Week two, day seven with football 24-7 insider John McMullen. Uh, The days are getting longer. The nights are getting shorter, Johnny Mac. You start early. This is is the time of the year, Krause, where I don't know what day it is. I don't know what the (laughs) date is. Nothing. Everything. It's like Groundhog Day. I feel like Bill Murray. Yeah, I know in the pre-show you were talking about uh, you, you can't remember what two-a-days were like or how did you get through uh, the two-a-days. Does it feel like one practice? Does it feel like two-a-days right now? No, no, it doesn't. Actually, I want to advocate for Nick Sirianni here because he, he's been – he was at 75 minutes again today, and I might be being generous. It might have been 70 minutes. Um. He's got these quick practices. So I want to thank the coach personally. Keep him moving, man. Keep him keep him short and to the point. I, I personally love it. I know we usually start this uh, recap, uh, Johnny Mack, with a sequential timeline uh, beginning with the morning press conference when a coach or somebody from, um, from the staff – normally addresses the media. I want to begin the broadcast tonight with the details on the story with head coach Nick Sirianni and Jalen Rager. Is it much ado about nothing? What happened? What'd you see? And how did it ultimately finish up? (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see whether it's much ado about nothing or not. A lot of that has to do with the player himself and how he takes uh, criticism, in this case, very loud criticism. Um, You know, it was interesting. We were on the far field at the NovaCare Complex for anybody who has ever been there. Um, So we get to go about to the 30-yard line. Now, the Eagles have these large speakers, uh, and, you know, players, different days get to play their playlist. So this thing was bumping at a level uh, pretty loud. Let's put it that way. Uh, Jay-Z on in the background uh, for hip-hop fans out there. And Nick Suriani is yelling over these speakers, and we could hear him. So it was Kevin Petulo as well, by the way, the passing game coordinator. Um, whatever Jalen Rager did or didn't do, and I think I think it was a running play. So it was pretty clear that this wasn't the first time he did what he was what he, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And he heard about it from Nick Sirianni. So I, I think a lot of fans are gonna like that, but we know the modern athlete and you kind of have to massage. And I always say, you know, coaching about more than anything else, but certainly more than X's and O's is about managing personalities. So to your first question, is it a big deal? I don't know. Maybe it is a big deal. If Jalen Rager takes it the wrong way and starts to go in a negative direction Maybe it turns into a big deal. What I can tell you about is he was screaming at him that you could hear over these loudspeakers. Now, I'll also say after uh, after he was sort of uh, reamed out, so to speak, 
you know, then he goes and circles back and tries to explain what he's trying to accomplish and tries to simmer down any emotions. But I would say everybody's different, Krause. Everybody's different. Some people will take to that. Some people will hate it. And we're just going to have to see where it goes from here. Johnny, this has been a really unusual first seven days uh, for Jalen Rager. He comes into camp. He doesn't get past uh, the physical. Um, There's some fragility with perhaps his psyche um, over um, a personal issue that he was forced to deal with. Uh, 48 hours later, um, the number one receiver, the number one draft pick, uh, Devontae goes down with an injury propelling or projecting Jalen Rager now back into the number one role. And then following that, less than 24 hours later, uh, Nick Sirianni, head coach Nick Sirianni, has to snap him uh, back in. Man, that's a lot to process. That's a lot to understand. Well, I will say this. Jalen Rager is certainly not a number one receiver at this point of his career, even without any of the the off-the-field issues he's had to go through, even with sort of taking to the – uh, the the difficult coaching he might be going through at the present time. He's not that guy. He's just not that guy at this stage of his career. Maybe he can get there, but he's not there right now. So, you know, without Devontae Smith, I've been saying it for a couple of days now, it looks bad out there at wide receiver. And part of Nick Sirianni, what he's doing, to be honest, I think he feels a sense of urgency at that position. Because understand, he comes in as a head coach who played receiver in college, coached the position uh, at the professional level with both the Chargers uh, and the Chiefs before. So this is his expertise. This is his foundation as a coach. And I think he feels some pressure to get the young players up to a level Remember, Jalen Rager, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, people think they underachieved as young players. And and Jalen's, it's only one season, J.J. with two. He was brought in here to speed up the process of getting these guys into being capable NFL players. We can only speculate at this point. Maybe he's feeling a little bit of that pressure uh, because he doesn't see it unfolding in the early days of camp, or maybe this is just his coaching style. But I can tell you, and I've been saying this, they need a veteran receiver. I, I don't know where they're going to get it. it. There's nobody on the, on the open market, obviously, of any, uh, of any repute at this stage, August 4th. You can trade. You can go in different directions. At some point, even with – Devontae Smith. They need a capable veteran receiver. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I think Howie Roseman had made this offseason. Because he went out and got all these veterans on one year deals. Uh Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, Steve Nelson, Ryan Kerrigan on the defensive side of the ball. He should have done that at receiver. 
I jumped in the chair for Jody Mack this morning on Birds 365 uh, just to finish up the final segment. Of course, Jeff Kerr uh, filling in guest co-hosting in your slot while you do the great work down at Eagles Camp. And I asked Jeff Kerr uh, about Travis Fulgham. And I was trying to understand and go back to the 2020 season, John, remembering that four or five game stretch where Travis looked like he was going to be the new anointed star uh, in Philadelphia. Jeff even pointed out that in that four game or five game period, he was the number one receiver in the league at that time. And then that was the end of Travis Fulgham. Um, Do you have any thoughts as to what happened, why, and does he even remotely look close to how good he looked during that four-game or five-game period a year ago? Um, No. uh, He was really good over that four-game stretch. I think there was a lot of things. It was a confluence of uh, all Sean Jeffrey returning. We got to talk to Travis Fulgham, as a matter of fact, about this uh, at training camp today. Um, remember, he was one of the Super Bowl guys that Doug Peterson had some loyalty to. Uh, so we, it's that old uh, sports mentality of you can't lose your job due to injury. So I think there was that default setting was part of it. Part of it, and Travis admitted today, the coaching staff was not happy about his practice habits at times. Aaron Moorhead has spoke about that before. And then when he had that big month, well, defenses started to pay attention. They, uh, at the beginning of it, and I was there in Pittsburgh when he had the 10 catches for whatever it was, 150-plus yards, uh, had his breakout game. Nobody knew who the heck he was. And then he kept playing well for a number of weeks, and all of a sudden defenses have some film, and they say, okay, this is their best receiver uh, go stop uh, Travis Fulgham. Uh, they were able to do that, and he wasn't able to adjust. So I think it was a sort of a cocktail of different things. Uh, part all Sean Jeffrey getting healthy. Uh, part practice habits, which again he acknowledged, uh, and part not adjusting. So, in a lot of ways, it's a young player uh, from that standpoint, and he's got to do a little bit better. Uh, sorry, my phone's going up. Got to do a little bit better. Um, and, and he understands that right now he's, he's going to be, uh, likely one of the starting receivers, unless the Eagles are able to bring in, uh, some kind of veteran presence. Football 24 seven with John McMullen. It is week two, day seven, back in pads, uh, again today, uh, the second day uh, in a row, does that mean tomorrow they go to pads again? Or I'm just trying to understand the new the new training camp philosophy for the professional for the National Football League. Yeah, I, I I would doubt it. You you rarely have three consecutive days in pads. You only have a certain number um, throughout the summer you can have, and these uh, sort of things constantly change with the COVID. Uh, uh, almost on the fly. Uh, There were certain teams in this league that wanted to put the pads on Monday. Remember, Krause, these are NFL teams. 
they want to put the pads on Monday. They didn't realize they couldn't. They weren't allowed until Tuesday. So even the teams are sort of doing everything fly by the seat of their pants. Um, I imagine the Eagles, they had another maintenance day for the veteran players. So Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, Lane Johnson, uh, Jason Kelsey, Zach Ertz, all on maintenance days today. Um, uh, I think, remember, over the weekend is the big Lincoln Financial Field practice on Sunday. I think they're going to scale back a little bit tomorrow uh, and and just wear shells, but we'll see. Uh, let's start with this morning, John, because we jumped over that to talk <clears> about <throat> Jalen Rager. Um, uh, early morning uh, presser, press conference, uh, conversation. Um, who did you meet with? Uh, this morning, a member of the coaching staff, I presume, and what would you talk about? Yeah, we got um, Jonathan Gannon today, the defensive coordinator, but Jonathan came out after practice. It's interesting. It, it, it looks like the offensive coaches want to speak before practice okay. and the defensive coaches, and in this case, it's only Jonathan Gannon, but uh, wants to speak after practice. So it's an interesting dichotomy just a preference um you know as as the pr staff told me you know nick is doing this for the first time so the first week uh he spoke after practice and he didn't like it and so he switched it to before practice that's i just said fly by the seat of your pants i always say the biggest thing with new coaches in this league that they don't realize is how much other stuff they have to do and it's not just about X's and O's anymore. When you're a co uh, coordinator, okay, you got to meet with the media once a week, but then you can go in your office and do whatever the heck you want to do. When you're the head coach, you got all these different things. Um, you you got to meet with the media. You got to do uh, prearranged spots with with you know uh, the team's official radio station. You got to do charity work. You got to do TV work. You got to meet with the um, the broadcast team when the season starts, and then you got all the logistical issues about time and travel and how you're going to set up practice and periods. And everybody's looking at you. It's a big job, man. It's a big <laughs> job. Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> spot on, brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, and every by the way. Every single coach I've ever spoken to in this league, and there's a lot of them at this point, has said the same exact thing when they got their first head coaching job. They always say, man, I didn't realize how much outside football stuff I had to do. Every single one of them. Another challenge or another conversation that we've had, I, I'm pretty sure every day, uh, all previous six days of our camp recap or your camp recap has always been the conversation about Jalen Hurts. How is he doing today? How does he look? Did he look better than yesterday? Um, you know, let's keep asking that question because as of this week two, day seven, Jalen Hurts has not been announced as the starting quarterback yet, has he? No, not technically, but nobody even asks that question anymore. And I'll tell you why, because it's so silly. <clears throat> He's not taken 
He's taken every first-team rep. Joe Flacco is not taking one first-team rep. So I don't know what they're waiting for other than the potential acquisition of somebody who does not reside in this organization. For the people that are in town right now, Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback, whether the Eagles want to admit it or not. As I said, he's taken every first-team rep through seven days. I mean, do the math. Uh, (laughs) He's going to be the starting quarterback. But as far as how he's doing, eh, not not, uh, tremendous as a passer, as we said. Uh, It's interesting, over two plays, he probably had his worst throw of training camp to date. And on the next play, he might have had his best throw of training camp to date. And I think that explains Jalen Hurts in a nutshell. Up and down, up and down. John, let me ask you about one of those intangibles that goes with a starting quarterback. You know, the ability, there's a there's the desire to lead, and then there's the ability to do it. We all feel, or at least I feel as though, Jalen Hurts knows how to lead. He knows how to communicate with his fellow players. He knows how to motivate himself. Uh, Do you see that every day when he's practicing, whether he's completing a pass or not? Do you see him exhibiting those qualities? Yeah, I think I said yesterday on the show, I don't question the intangibles. It's almost turned a 180. Um, typically, you know if somebody can play, and you, you, you then wonder, okay, does he have the other stuff? Is he a leader? Uh, can he handle the pressure? Uh, can uh, he get people to follow him? Um, does he have a high football IQ? It's the exact opposite with Jalen Hurts. You know he has all that. You question whether he has the NFL top-tier level skill set to perform at a high level on a consistent basis. We still don't know that. And we're not going to know that, to be honest, until the regular season starts. But uh, in training camp, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I just said, and this was two plays. This was back-to-back, literally. Um, He had his worst throw camp. Uh, just an interception to Jacoby Stevens, just threw it right to him. Don't know what he saw. Obviously, he didn't see uh, the linebacker in the play. Uh, Don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Uh, That's the bad part. The good part, no head hanging. Went right back there on the next rep and hit John Hightower on the go route. That was probably his best throw of camp because Zach McPherson was in coverage, was all over John Hightower. Perfectly thrown ball. Up and down. Same reaction from Jalen after yeah. the big throw? Yeah. No, no. Very even keeled. Uh, never gets too high. Never gets too low. Um, that part, again, you don't even worry about. Uh, you got to eliminate the J- Jacoby Stevens play. Um, can he do that? I don't know. I don't know. Take a programming break here for just 15 seconds to uh, remind everybody we announced yesterday here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel our new live post-game show. 
with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Lane Johnson, John McMullen, and Devin Caney, all coming to you two, uh, for two hours immediately after uh, the Eagles game ends uh, during the regular season, planning already in place for September 12th. The Eagles are getting ready for their opener in Atlanta. We're getting ready for our first live post-game show. And, of course, John McMullen will be reporting from Atlanta on the 12th. Also, a little bit later, before we finish up today, John McMullen's practice game ball. Uh, we'll find out who stuck out uh, today uh, from uh, John McMullen. John, let's transition into some uh, injury updates. I did, but first I want to ask, ask you about uh, Alex Singleton. We did speak about him yesterday, and then I think I saw a picture that you may have posted on your Twitter account earlier this morning uh, where Alex Singleton was at least now out on the field as a spectator. Yeah, and he's in what they're calling a ramp-up period to come off uh, the COVID list. So he is uh, getting very close that he's going to get back on the field. And we'll see. I mean, linebacker's been one of those positions – maybe with the most uncertainty. I asked Jonathan Gannett about this today. They've just been rotating guys in and out. When we talk about competition, and that's been a foundational sort of principle of Nick Sirianni, you know, some positions that's a load of you-know-what. Other mm -hmm. positions, linebacker being the most notable, it's real. I mean, they are rotating these guys in and out. Everybody has gotten first-team reps, and they're trying to find the right pairing uh, to be on the field together. Alex will get thrown into that mix sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, Davion Taylor uh, trying to play through a quad injury. Now has hurt his calf. He was getting a ton of first-team reps. I think he was trending very well early in camp, and now – a very raw player is going to be out for a number of weeks, and that's going to hurt him moving forward. I, I missed this morning, and I did want to take a look uh, at your Twitter feed for the morning post because you mentioned it yesterday where you will put out uh, – an injury list and an active list, who's in, uh, who's not. So excuse the repetitiveness of the question. I didn't see uh, your post on social media. Um, what updates can you provide that are important off of the list that you posted this morning? Well, the biggest one is Davion because he left practice uh, yesterday. He, tried, he was trying to play through that quad injury and wasn't able to do it, came off the field. I thought he had re-injured the quad. Turns out it's a calf injury, uh, and the Eagles have labeled him week to week. So that's the biggest addition. Um, Ryan Kerrigan, who had been out with a thumb injury, uh, was back at practice. So that's good news uh, in a limited fashion, but nonetheless, uh, it's good news that it's not serious. Um, so those were kind of the additions. I mentioned the maintenance day, Cox, Ertz, Graham, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Darius Slay. And then, you know, the guys that have been out 
Devontae Smith is week to week. Isaac Sayamalo is week to week. Uh, Brandon Brooks continues to be listed as day to day. So those are sort of the major uh, injuries for the Eagles right now. And Devontae Smith back at practice today, working with the jug. Was he there? Was he engaged? Yeah, he was out there uh, with his jersey on. So he's staying mentally engaged in things. Didn't see him on the jugs gun before practice. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's not that big of a deal. The fact that he's on the field uh, indicates it's not serious. And as I said yesterday, uh, that's very positive because the Eagles need him at receiver week one. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, through the John McMullen lens, uh, observing and watching practice today, John, you've covered um, just about every moving part that could that could surface from the Novacare complex. Um, what are we missing on this report? What didn't we talk about um, before we run out of time here? I want to give you that open floor to be able to at least update us on something perhaps that I missed or that I failed to ask you about. Well, I, you know, as I said, Jonathan Gannon spoke. So it was interesting to get a little bit of insight into what he's been trying to accomplish because remember the defensive side of the ball has been uh, the better side of the ball, certainly through the first seven days of camp. Uh, so we talked about the linebackers, as I said, mixing and matching, trying to find out who sort of that duo is going to be because you only have in modern football, you only have two linebackers on the field for the vast majority of time. Uh, he also unveiled um, that sort of hybrid rusher role where Joe Osman and Gennard Avery are playing sort of a hybrid defensive defensive end, outside linebacker, stand-up rushers for overload blitzes. Ultimately, I think that's going to be Ryan Kerrigan's role. But remember, Ryan hurt his thumb. He was out. Now he's back in a limited fashion. I think when you hit week one, that's going to be his role. Uh, so you're starting to see things sort of come together. And then Zach McPherson, who's had such a great training camp, got first team reps because uh, Darius Slay was out on a maintenance day. Uh, so that's very important. And it shows you that Zach is, is playing at a high level because before that probably would have been Craig James. Everything you wanted to know about what happened at Eagles camp week two Day seven, uh, John, before I let you go, two things, the game ball last, but first, uh, rest of the week. I know you mentioned Sunday is the first opportunity for the fans uh, to come out and see the team. Uh, what is the rest of the schedule look like practice schedule wise Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before the Sunday open practice? <clears throat> Thursday, uh, tomorrow, practice, uh, typical practice as it has been all week. Nick Sirianni's back on the mic pre-practice at about uh, 9.40 in the morning. That practice hits the field at 10. Uh, Friday is the player's day off. Saturday, they're back on the field before Lincoln Financial Field. Then the big practice Sunday night, Sunday night, in front of the fans who 
uh, obviously for a charity, good charity, the Eagles Autism Foundation. So they can finally see this team live and in color uh, at the Novacare Complex. They do have fans every day, uh, but it's, you know, mainly a very limited number of season ticket holders. So, uh, you know, they always expect 30, somewhere between 30 and 40,000 fans. We'll see how hyped up people are for a new era of Eagles football. And on that note, close your eyes, use theater of the mind, insert a drum roll, (laughs) pause for a moment, and now John McMullen's practice game ball from today. John? It's going to Jacoby Stevens, the big interception, you know, and he talked about it after practice. And, you know, he he's a rookie, obviously. Played safety at LSU, is shifting to linebacker at the pro level. So he talked about uh, the coaches telling him what to do was a play action throw, uh, get out to your landmarks. He had been overdoing that, getting a little bit too far. He did it right today, so he gave a lot of credit to the coaches. He hit his landmark, and all of a sudden, the football is right in his hands. So Jacoby Stevens, rookie, game ball. Everything you wanted to know about what happened at Eagles camp, week two, day seven, football 24-7 with John McMullen. He'll be right back tomorrow morning on Birds 365. And a programming reminder, the middle, get caught in the middle with Aton Shander, Harry Mays, and Barrett Brooks. That's 11 to 1. And then the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. We patiently wait for head coach Nick Sirianni, who will make his debut on the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Johnny Mack, great stuff, my friend. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Krause. All right. Good night, everybody. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.